It's just a devotional thought I want to give to you tonight or leave you with. And um, it's kind of, it kind of follows a form of kind of circular logic here. And, and there are a lot of principles in Scripture that kind of follow a, a circular pattern. And giving is one of those things. We know um, sowing and reaping, very circular. You, you sow, you reap. You can sow more because you've reaped. And because you can sow more, you can reap more. And it's, it's a very circular um, principle that Christ has in place, and giving is that way. And so I want to just give you some thoughts here that Paul left the church at Ephesus with, and um, just ask us, ask us to consider our thinking tonight about giving. So stand, if you would, with me and turn to your Bible in um, Acts chapter 20, and we'll read verse 17 through the end of the passage, the end of the chapter, verse 38. If you have it there in your Bible, Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17, titled the sermon, More Blessed, and then ask the question, how do you receive a blessing? Because how we receive blessings from the Lord determines if we're more blessed. So let's look at what Paul has to say here to the church at Ephesus. It says in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. When they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm reading several verses here, but I've got to confess something. I've gotten a little older and my eyesight has begun to change. I actually went a week ago to a store and looked at readers. Like, but I, I needed to go with my wife and have her help me pick them out, or I don't know. But this is the first time, it's a shock, I'm standing up here and the light shining on the page and the size of the print, I'm adjusting my distance, <laughs> trying to make it a little clearer. So hopefully this font on this paper is a little more clear than the text on this Bible, or I'm, I'm gonna be heading straight to Walgreens when I leave here. <laughs> it's good stuff. Verse 22, let's follow Paul here and forget about my eyesight for a minute. Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that befall me there. So Paul is really, this is his last, the end of his last missionary trip. It's his last visit with the church at Ephesus, these elders that he cared so much about. And we'll look at that a little bit more. He says, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So he's saying, I know that there's going to be difficulty that comes my way. But none of these things move me, verse 24, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now behold, I know that ye all, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore? I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to the, all the flock, 
over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which is he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or peril. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities to them that were with me. I've showed you all things, how so laboring ye ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When He had thus spoken, He kneeled down and prayed with them all. They all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which He spake, that they should see His face no more. They accompanied Him to the ship. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word in this passage of Scripture. Lord, I thank You for the deposit that Paul was making here in the Ephesian church, knowing their effectiveness, knowing their influence, and knowing how important what he had to share with them was. Lord, I pray that tonight we just take these thoughts, this passage of Scripture, this challenge, and examine our own lives. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, Paul, obviously, from the passage, we can see this was his final words to this church, this group of people, people he counted on to carry on his ministry. Um, and, and so what he said was incredibly important. He gave them this nugget to consider. At the end of everything he shared, he says, now examine or, or look at what the Lord said while he was here on this earth. During his time of ministry, he shared it's more blessed to give than to receive. It was important for these people to grasp this, to comprehend it, to teach it, to propagate this truth, to pass it on. You know, all of us are in need. Every one of us are in need. We're born with needs, incredible needs. You know, when our needs are met, it's important to respond properly. When we receive a blessing, it's important to respond appropriately to the blessing that we receive. It's a principle. We try and teach, teach our children from the very youngest age not to take things for granted, um, not to um, be selfish, not to be ungrateful. Um, we want to teach them to respond properly, receive a blessing, return that blessing, be, be appropriately responsive to the blessings you receive. So you think about it, you're trying to teach this lesson to a kid, and um, the first demonstration I would say of not responding properly to blessings received would be the, the one-year-old birthday party. The one-year-old birthday party. I mean, most people have them, right? Everybody comes to the one-year-old birthday party. It's the one party for a person that they absolutely cannot even begin to appreciate, right? The only thing, all the money that's spent, all the people that flew in from out of town, everything that went to this elaborate party, the only thing the one-year-old cares about is a balloon, right? They can't tell the difference between cake and baby food, really, and, and they treat it all the same. And, and we just go through, it's, it's awkward, really, okay? But the one thing the baby's not doing is expressing any appreciation for this party, right? 
I mean, have you ever had a one-year-old say thank you? Let me know, I wanna hear this story afterwards. For the one-year-old that properly responded and, and just was, just put everyone, you know, just proud moment for parents because that one-year-old was really grateful as you were opening these gifts and explaining to them what they were and how much fun they'd have playing with them, right? No, one-year-old birthday party. You're still trying though as a parent, right? You, by two years old though, I would say most parents by the two-year-old birthday party expect that a two-year-old could say thank you. As parents, we work hard to teach our kids to say please and thank you. And then all this work, all this blessing, the party, the cake, the balloons, the presents, all these things, we would hope that a child, a two-year-old, could begin to learn to say thank you. Why? Why do we work on this as parents? Why do we put this effort? Why is our, um, our reputation, our, our sense of self-worth self -worth on the line when it comes to our kids' response to being given something? Well, it's because our response is important. We want to teach our kids to be properly grateful, to respond properly. Response matters. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible teaches us how much God cares about us. He cares deeply. He compares us to all these um, different areas of His creation and how much care and how much detail, how much love, how much attention He pays to the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. And then He says, I care about you. I care about every detail of your life. I love you deeply. Your... I, I, Members were numbered in my book long before creation ever took place. God cares deeply about us. Every one of us are so blessed. But it matters to God how we respond to His blessing. He cares about that. He teaches that throughout Scripture. We're so blessed. You know, in studying this passage, one person critiqued Paul for misquoting Christ. And I, I have to admit, as I was studying, I thought, did Christ say it's more blessed to give than receive? I Googled it. But in defense of Paul, one, Paul didn't have the Gospels to read, more than likely. But you know, Paul was accurate. Paul was summarizing everything Christ taught on the subject of talents, money, possessions, time, resources, Paul summarized everything Christ taught perfectly in this quote or in this statement that Christ taught us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The, the, Ephesus, the church at Ephesus was an incredibly significant church. We just went through Revelation. It was the first church of the seven churches in Asia that Paul mentioned, that, um, that the Lord mentioned, that, that John wrote about in Revelation. It was a church with an incredible testimony. Paul spent three years preaching and teaching in Ephesus. Why? Because it was such a fertile um, field. It was, it was an incredible mission field where Paul was incredibly effective. It was, Ephesus was a principal city in the Roman Empire, possibly um, the most traveled, um, largest city, uh, most influential city, second only to Rome. It, was, it had an incredible stature. And you look at the effect that Paul's ministry had there, it's easy to say that this was the peak or the pinnacle 
of his missionary travels, of his missionary work. Turn back to Acts chapter 19, and you see this here, beginning verse 1, just kind of the story of Ephesus, just in summary. It says, And it came to pass, verse 1, that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? So Paulus had come before, and he was a, a disciple of John, and so Paul came behind Apollos. And he, they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, should come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard that, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. It says, He went in the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Been, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil the way before the multitude, he departed from them, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. He did that for two years. He says he continued in the space of two years, so that all they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Or in other words, the gospel spread quickly. So not only in this city that was such a prominent city was the gospel effective, but everyone in Asia heard the gospel because of those that were going out in a three-year period of time. What an amazing ministry, an incredible effect. Uh, part of the reason, a lot of people came to Ephesus. It was, in, it was, it was a city where people, the weather was great. It was a good resort town. Um, it's where people came. There was a temple to the goddess Diana. And like if you and I went to New York City and left with a little replica of the Empire State Building, the people who came to Ephesus would leave with replicas of the temple to the goddess Diana. It would be like if you went to London, you'd leave with a little replica, maybe a Big Ben. How many here have a mug collection from places that you've been? If you've been to Mount Rushmore, you get a mug, or you go different places, you get something to remember it. And so, Paul was so effective in his ministry, and the gospel spread so quickly even in Ephesus, that people quit buying these replicas of this pagan temple to the goddess Diana. And so, Paul came under intense persecution because he was putting these people who are selling souvenirs to all the visitors, he was putting them out of business. What an amazing ministry. This was a church that was at the height of, his influ of their influence when Paul addressed them here. What was Paul concerned about? He was concerned about them being a giving church. He's saying, you received a blessing. He, he, he listed all the ways that he labored. He invested. He worked to be a blessing. He said, now remember... The teachings of Christ. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Those blessings came from God. And from God, I pass those blessings along to you. Now you have a big responsibility. We have a big responsibility. And we're talking about missions. We're talking about the lost. It's important for us to remember we have a big responsibility. We've received blessings. How have we received those blessings? 
have we received him in such a way as to be the recipients of even greater blessings? If you and I want to be more blessed, Paul tells us how. Be a blessing. You know, this missions month, it's a big deal. You know, you think of Brother Eustace and Miss Tracy, it's a big deal to them, our support. You think about the missionaries this past Wednesday night, Brother Benjamin and Bernice George, it's a big deal. Our giving, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to the Reeds in Thailand. We heard from them this past Sunday. It's a big deal to the Barretts in England. It's a big deal to Brother Josue. It's a big deal to the lost. Your giving, my giving, it's a big deal to the lost. Missions month, month, missions emphasis is a big deal. So let's talk about that blessing and kind of look at this a little bit closer. The question we have to ask ourselves is, when you receive this blessing, the blessing of God's love, the blessing of His goodness, the, the rewards that He's given us here in this life, the promise of the rewards and the life to come, how do we respond to those blessings? You know, Paul was convinced he was blessed. And he shared that blessing in such a convincing way that the city of Ephesus in large part was turned to Christ. Everyone in Asia heard the gospel because Paul was convinced he'd received a blessing. He was so convinced he then in turn passed that blessing on to others. And Paul was convinced. How convinced are we? How convinced are we? Why is giving much better than receiving? Well, the first thing I want to look at is that giving is how God demonstrated His love to us. In creation, you think about what we enjoy today, so easy to take for granted, the creation that God created, this world, everything we enjoy, the air we breathe, the eyesight that we enjoy, the food that we can eat, the jobs we have, the cars we drive, the house we live in, God blessed us with that. We live, we move, we have our being, our breath, our life, everything is a gift from a loving God that cares about us. We get to enjoy His creation. God loved us so much. He cared about us. And He gave us this creation to enjoy. To, to enjoy every single day, every single minute. You wake up. What do you wake up to? A sunrise. What do we go to bed with? A sunset. God cares about us. God loves us. God gives us things wonderfully to enjoy. And not only did He give us this creation to enjoy, we enjoy it every day. I trust you do. I trust you don't take it for granted. He gave us His Son in redemption to redeem us from our sin, to redeem us from ourselves. We live in a fallen world. And every single day we experience the pain that comes with our sin nature the pain, the suffering that comes from being part of this fallen world. But Christ promised us redemption. He promised us a home in heaven. He granted us salvation. He granted us His love, His forgiveness, His grace. All these things God gave us because He loved us. God, God has given us incredible blessings. God demonstrated His love for us, to, for a lost, condemned world. Where would you and I be? without God's love, without His blessing, without His care. If God lacked generosity toward you and me, where would we be? 
Our lives would be hopeless. We'd be lost. We'd be condemned. Giving is how God demonstrates His love for us. Giving is how God blesses others. In, in Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. God says, I'm going to lift you up, Abraham. I'm going to set you aside. I'm going to give you a special purpose. I have a plan for you. But my intention is not just for you. This isn't an end. Abraham, you aren't special because of who you are. Abraham, you're special because of who I am. And because of what I want to do through you. Abraham, I want to bless the world through you. We're no different. We're redeemed. We're saved. We're the recipients of God's blessing. But giving is how God blesses others. God blesses you and me so that we can be a greater blessing to the lost world around us. God blesses you and me so that we can be a blessing to our neighbors. God blesses you and me so we can be a blessing to our co-workers. God blesses you and me so we can be a blessing to our family. Giving is how God blesses us. So many times we look at the blessings and we appreciate the blessings. And we might even thank God for the blessings. And we might do our best to not take the blessings for granted. But God says, don't stop there. Abraham, I'm blessing you. I've set you apart. You're special. You're the special recipient of my blessing. So you can bless other people. I want you to be a great nation. So you can bless others. I want you to multiply so that you can have a greater influence and be a greater blessing on others. Blessing is how, giving is how God blesses others. And then, third thought here, giving makes God happy. Giving makes God happy. This God that saved us, that loves us, that provides all these things for us, says He loves a cheerful giver. Someone who doesn't hold on to things tightly, doesn't view things selfishly, doesn't see God's resources as limited, doesn't see God's blessings as limited. Don't, someone, people who don't allow us, me, to be the limiting factor on the blessing that God can put through me and pour through me to others. God wants us to be givers, but not just givers out of duty. Well, I tithe because it's my duty. I give to missions because I feel obligated. I give to a building program or I, I give above and beyond my tithe and, and faith promise because, because pastor asks. Now, that doesn't properly reflect the blessings we've been given. God wants us to give because He wants to be gracious to us. He wants us to appreciate what He's done for us. He wants us to express that through our willingness to be a help and a blessing and, and um, care and, and love others and, and do that through our giving so the gospel can go out so others can be saved. God loves a cheerful giver. Giving to me seems like a good way to say thank you. It seems like a good way to be on the receiving end of God's blessings. So what are some ways that blessing blesses you and me directly? Directly. More directly. Well, giving makes us happy. It's proven. If we hold on to what we have, we're curmudgeons. If we learn to give what we have, 
the more we give, the happier we'll be. Giving makes us happy. Scripture teaches us, us that. Our own personal experiences teach us that. We, we to, to, um, to buy a gift and wrap that gift, why do we want to wrap it? And why do we want to watch someone unwrap it? To see their joy. So we can share in their joy. Giving makes us happy. It's, it's the simplest way to lead a happier life. Just be a more giving person. Not just money, time. Smiles, conversation, appreciation. There's so many things we can give. Giving makes us happy. Giving helps us live longer. Journal of Health and Psychology published a study in 2012 that found those who volunteer regularly live longer. But there's a catch. Had to be for an unselfish reason. People who did it for anything other than the joy of giving didn't receive the same long-term health benefits. And it's not just one study. There's study after study that tells, tells us, hey, giving changes how we view the world, changes how we view others, changes how we view ourselves. And that helps us live longer, makes us happy, helps us live longer. Giving increase our, increases our social connectedness. Giving helps us view others more favorably. And in return, what? What we sow, we reap. We receive that favor. It helps us increase our connectedness to others. When we look to be a ser to serve and to help others, what do we see? We see others who are serving and helping. You know, because likes attract. When you learn to give, you're going to revel not in the blessings that you were able to pass on to others, but you're going to be begin to hear about the blessings others have been able to pass on to others. And that's, that's, there's an excitement. Giving increases our social connected. Giving is contagious. Studies have shown that our giving has an effect on those around us, our social network. When we give, we're going to talk about it. Why? Because we're going to receive blessings from it. We're going to be excited about it. When we are, are striving to do things that are a help to others, we're going to encourage others that we know to get involved in those same things. Think of how that works at a church. Giving's contagious. As a church family, when we're more generous, when we're willing to make sacrifices, when we're willing to step out in faith, your friends will begin to do some of those same things. You'll begin to receive encouragement and give encouragement, and giving is contagious. Giving helps us battle depression. How's that? When we think about others, we think about more, when we think more about others, we think better of ourselves. If we spend more time trying to be a blessing, trying to be a help, looking for those that need encouragement, we begin to view ourselves in a more positive light. We begin to see the contributions we're making and the difference and the help that we can be to others. Giving is contagious. Giving helps us battle depression. It increases our confidence. When we view others in a more positive light, we'll view ourselves in a more positive light, makes us more confident. When we see things positively, we can relate better to others. So many benefits, and the list could go on. Those are just a few things that giving helps us with. Giving changes us. Changes us. So the question is, do we believe it? Do we do it? Do we give? Do we make it a practice? Do we do, we do it um, to fulfill an obligation out of duty? 
Or do we do it because of the blessings we've received? Do you find it hard to tithe? Do you find it hard to give to missions? Do you ever find it hard to be generous? Not just with our money, but with your talents. Are you willing to serve? When there's an opportunity to serve, do you jump at it? Are you excited? You're saying, Lord, bless me with this talent or with this ability. I might not believe in myself, but if someone else does, I'm willing to give it a try. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to try. We'll be stronger. We'll be better. When we give our time, when we give our talents, when we give a smile, it's important to ask ourselves, what's our life built around? What's your life built around? I think tonight it's easy in, in the pew and up here in this pulpit to think about the blessings we've received. But our life is a demonstration of our response to those blessings. What we do when we leave here, how we share the gospel with the lost, how we choose to spend our money, where our priorities are, what's your life built around? What are you doing with the blessings you've been given? How do you receive a blessing? Do you receive the blessing in such a way as to be more blessed? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We've all received innumerable blessings. There's greater blessings out there for us. Do we believe it? Because if we do, we'll be generous. We'll be givers. We'll be better for it. Our church will be better for it. Our missionaries will receive more support. We'll be able to take on more missionaries and do more things. Do you and I say please and thank you? Or do we take spiritual things, physical things, the things God's blessed us with, for granted? You know, you start out with your children at a young age. It's embarrassing if our kids can't learn to say please and thank you. But you know, giving and an offering, the commitment you make at the end of the month is a way of saying please and thank you. It's circular, but it's something God teaches clearly in Scripture. It's so easy to take things for granted. And we all struggle to say, it's mine, and to live life selfishly. But that's not what God created you and me for. He created us to be a blessing. One of the ways we do that is through our giving. Let's all stand tonight.